Catholics woke up today to the headline that Pope Francis has authorized priests to bless same-sex unions. Well, three years ago, Our Lady prophesied to the seer Pedro Regis several times that the great vessel of the church would encounter a great shipwreck. Is this it? That next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallett from the Now Word and Countdown to the Kingdom, and I'm joined now by my colleague, Professor Daniel O'Connor from New York. Daniel, I'm just, I'm kind of laughing because it's like, are we ever going to get a webcast where we get, we get to talk about butterflies and rainbows? And <laughs> No, there's always going to be some shipwreck we got to deal with, <laughs> quite literally almost. But it's so yeah. good to be back and this needs to be addressed, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy we're connecting again, brother. It sure does. And, and listen, everybody and his dog is out commenting on this today because it is significant. I mean, folks, look at these headlines. Pope Francis authorizes blessings for same-sex unions. The BBC says the Pope says Roman Catholic priests can bless same-sex couples. ABC News saying the same thing. Fox News and across the whole world, even in the Catholic media, it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, and here's the here's the point, though is that this isn't the media, as has happened in the past, this isn't the media misinterpreting what Pope Francis has said. No, the Vatican has now come up with a document that essentially says that priests can bless same-sex couples. Now, we're going to talk about that. It's it's not outright saying you can bless same-sex unions. It's not really saying that. But what is it saying? And that's that's the big discussion that we're going to have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Who knows? So, 45 paragraphs long. Who knows what exactly it means? But yeah, we'll be talking about that, certainly. <laughs> Try to yeah. make some sense and of it. it. And it's, it, I mean, we, we have to laugh because, I mean, we're kind of being a little bit uh, s- cynical, maybe, but it's been that way for a number of years now where we've we've had to really strain the gnat, you know, strain through these things and try and get to the heart of them and what is really being told to us by the Vatican. I mean, do you remember the days back in John Paul II? If there was ever any ambiguity, the Vatican press office was on it like that day with an absolutely clear statement. But under this pontificate, it's like oh, the Vatican's the press office. Yeah, it doesn't exist we've, practically. We've lost the sense of scandal. You know, you know, as St. Paul said in Scripture, you know, if, if, if eating meat causes a brother in Christ to sin, I will never eat meat again. Mm-hmm. And not that there's, there's nothing wrong with eating meat, of course, but St. Paul is pointing out how grave of a situation scandal is to cause another to sin because of something that you said or did. You're going to have to answer for that on the Day of Judgment. And we don't want to have to do that. So what we have now is global headlines dominated by this idea that the Vicar of Christ has now enabled an intrinsically disordered situation to be blessed. Uh, you know, that 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 un, that scandal is unprecedented in 2000 years. And the Pope's planers are going to say, oh, no, everything's fine. It's just a few crazy rad trads misinterpreting things. No, what, what, what you have on your screen right here. What was that, Mark? Was that CNN? I don't, I don't that know. Was CNN, it was yeah. a little. Yeah. It was a little scrolled down, so I couldn't see what. I think if you scroll up a little bit, we can see that. No, but I, I that that format, I can see that CNN. Yeah, that's well, CNN. Even though, it's not, yeah. even though it's not showing up on my screen, but yeah. So these are the biggest headlines in the world, and if this isn't a scandal, 
nothing is. If, if this is not a scandal, then there's no such thing as scandal. So this needs to be absolutely head-on addressed, and uh, that's what we have to do today. In the, yeah, in the context and, of our ladies' messages and, and, and the broader message of hope. Right. Because, because listen, folks, is, at this point, it's almost like there's nothing to discuss. If this is the message that the Roman Catholic Church charged with proclaiming everything that Jesus taught, that's what Jesus said at the Great Commission, you know, go to the nations, make disciples of them, and teach them everything that I have commanded you. If this is the message coming from the Holy Father and the Vatican itself to the world, then this is a scandal. And like we've always said before, we're not judging the heart of the Pope or his motives or anything, but we can look objectively at the message that we're conveying to the world, and it's the wrong message. Uh, It's the world's message, not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what did the church say? We need to go into that document right now. And I, I, you know what, again, I have to apologize because my Latin is not great, but I think it's fiducia supplicans, maybe? Sounds good to me. Uh, Okay, we're going to go with that. Uh, All the people out there who know Latin, go ahead and laugh. Um, This is your moment. Okay, well, there's ecclesial Latin and there's classical Latin, so you know you can just claim you're doing one of the one of the pronunciations over the other, and it's fine. That's right. So uh, let's get to the heart of the document. We're not going to spend a great deal of time on this because really, what we want to get to is how do you and I, as as a priest out there who is watching, we have many priests watching, uh, lay people, how do we respond to all of this? What what is the way to respond? Because there's a lot of people out there right now, like I said, everybody and his dog is doing a webcast on this right now. But we want to, first of all, maybe the first thing we're going to do, actually, before we get to this document, I want to go back to what Mama said. Let's go back to what mm, Our Lady said two that. years ago. Let's, let's put this in the bigger perspective here. Okay, let's do that. Three years ago, this was our Blessed Mother to Pedro Regis. And keep in mind that Pedro Regis enjoys the support of his bishop, uh, he's got many prophecies he's given of have actually been uh, you know bullseyes. They've they've hit the target. Others, you, know, you we continue just to watch and pray. And you know it doesn't hurt to repeat that Daniel and I uh, we don't spend our days reading prophecy and live our life by prophecy. It's part of our Catholic faith, and we we ca- we look at it because. Scripture commands us not to despise prophecy. So we hope that our, our viewers are mature enough to to look at these things and to discern them with us, uh, because that's what God's will is for us. So in December 31st, Our Lady said, There will be a great shipwreck in the faith. The great vessel will deviate from the safe harbor. That's very interesting. The great vessel, which refers to the bark of Peter, the church, will deviate from the safe harbor, not necessarily go the opposite direction. Then in uh, April 30th, there will be a great shipwreck in the faith, and the pain will be great for my poor children. And there's no question today that many of us read the headlines, and we're just in pain. We're just like, like, this is not the church that we know, and we know that what's being, the message being given to the world is the wrong message. It's not the message of the Gospels. It's not consistent with sacred tradition. I'm in pain today because I think of those people who um, have been coming, coming to a reconciliation with the Catholic Church. But Daniel, frankly, now see the Catholic Church as like, maybe... Maybe what I was taught by my dad is right, that the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon and the Pope is Mm -hmm. the Antichrist. And Mm -hmm. 
you've got people thinking like that today, and that's right. painful. Right. Yeah. Well, but this is exactly what we should have expected. You know, Mark and Adam, we were talking about mm-hmm. this before, but Mark and I, we've been warning about this. Not us. We're nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. Mark, maybe Mark is something. I'm, I'm nothing. I'm an idiot. But we've been reiterating what heaven has been saying to the seers, <laughs> seers for so many years. And, and, and Mark has been warning about this for what, 20 years? I've been warning about this for maybe 15 years. It, it, the only surprising thing should be if we didn't see what we are seeing mm-hmm. right now. What we're seeing right now, yeah. if you've been following what heaven's been saying to the seers, you should say, okay, yep, this is what we were told to expect. Here it is. That means we are called to be inspired and encouraged right now. Amen. Not not to complain, Amen. not 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 to feel sorry for ourselves. And we'll get yeah. into that's the real theme we want to be of this webcast. Yeah. This is the time to be encouraged and inspired. And we'll get to that later. But that's first, right. to talk about to confronting the storm, we gotta talk about the storm itself. So back to uh, what yeah. you're saying there, Mark. Well, that's, that's right. And in fact, I was just going to say, we need to be excited in a certain way because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are complaining. They're going, oh, well, you know, I've been, I followed prophecy and Our Lady Medjugorje back in those years and nothing's happening. And I don't know, for, from my perspective, called to be a watchman of the church, I said this to my brother and my son the other day. I said, for me, I've been writing about these things for almost 20 years. And you know, even though there's like these pauses, we seem to be like in between labor pains. <laughs> Remember that Jesus said they're like labor pains, which means you're going to have a pause like we just went through, where life seems to be almost back to normal. And I look at everything happening in the world right now, and everything I've written about over almost 1800 writings, to me, I'm seeing them unfolding now right in front of my eyes. No, not in 24 hours, not 48 hours, not even 48 months. But I see them all happening. They're slowly unfolding. And this was one of the great pieces of the puzzle, Daniel, that there would be a great apostasy, a coming schism, and a false church arise. And so I think we're seeing this false church arise. And I'm I'm not saying, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying Pope Francis is not the Pope or that he's the necessarily the head of this false church. I'm not saying anything like this. I've said the opposite. I said pray for the Pope, remain in communion with him, even if we disagree at times with statements that are said that are for one thing not magisterial, or the second thing, if they're ambiguous, you always go back to that which is clear in sacred mm-hmm. tradition. But so let's continue. What is clear always supersedes what is ambiguous, and what is new bears no special status over what is old. Never forget yeah. that. Amen. And so let's just conclude with a couple more. Uh, I mean, there were several messages given to Pedro mm-hmm. about this. Another time on October twentieth, twenty twenty. She said, Dear children, the great vessel and a great shipwreck. This is the cause of suffering for men and women of faith. So she's telling us what what, what is coming. You're going to be suffering because of this. And I, I'm just going to pause. I just sense the Holy Spirit right now saying, You're going to be persecuted, Christians, because of this. You see, those of us who are going to oppose this and still say, No, 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 you can't bless same-sex unions. Do you think this isn't going to come back against us when the world's going to point to our Pope and say, you call yourself a Catholic and you're not following the Pope, you have no ground to stand on. You see, mm-hmm. you see the trouble we're getting into here. Yeah, but who- the, 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 you know, the, <laughs> the injections, that was just, that was a preview for what's coming next. You know, oh no, the Pope said this. 
nonsense. So it's, well, <laughs> it's, it's that was a preview for what's coming next. Yeah, and and your your case your case in point, Daniel, as we've said in previous webcasts, people said to you and to other readers who've contacted me that because the Pope said they had to take the jab, they lost their jobs. So now now we've got the situation where the Pope is saying you as a priest have to bless these same-sex couples. But we're going to get into that document just to find out exactly what he means. But here's the final here's the final comment from Our Lady, and then we'll move on. Because this is important. She says, The great shipwreck of faith will affect those who are far from prayer and from living the faith. So I wanted to point that out because those of you who know your catechism, those of you who know sacred tradition, you're not confused. You know what the teachings of the church are. I know what they are. Most of you know. But the scandal is it it's those who are far from prayer, who are far from living the Catholic faith, maybe baptized as Catholics, but they don't know their faith well, and stuff like this easily sucks them in because they're already with one foot into the world. Right. If not two feet. And then maybe they say, oh, I went to Catholic schools growing up. As if that proves anything. No, you got to remain grounded in your catechism, and that will keep you safe. And I keep reiterating this like a broken record, and and, and so sue me. That's what I'm going to keep doing. But if you stick with that, you'll be okay with these deceptions entering in. The you know have the book on your desk, the the physical pages. They might try to slip something in in the future that's not magisterial, and that could that could happen. You know the catechism. Make this real quick, but the Catechism derives its authority from Pope St. John Paul II's 1992 Apostolic Constitution, Fidei Depositum. And in 1992, he declared the text, meaning what existed at that point. He said, I declare that this is a sure norm for teaching the faith. If some some prefect in the CDF, or they call it the DDF now, tries to slip something in there later, that might not have the same magisterial weight that the original Catechism did. So keep that Catechism handy. Remain grounded in it. The true magisterium, all the seers. We've had year after year after year, message after message, seer after seer. This is a prophetic consensus. This is not just this doesn't rise or fall on one seer. This is the prophetic consensus saying stick with the true magisterium, because there will be all these deceptions entering in through bad shepherds. That in that none of the seers are saying, Oh, everything will be fine, there's no apostasy, just believe whatever anybody in the Vatican says. No seers are saying that. They are all warning of this. And that means that something's coming, not because the magisterium itself will be overturned. Jesus promised to Peter in Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell wouldn't prevail, so that won't happen. But that there will be a shadow magisterium, and that is what we need to be on guard against. And that's what we're seeing the rumblings of in documents like we're talking about today. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm going to say this before I forget it, but, you know, um, there's many things Pope Francis speaks that are the true magisterium. And this is that's the point Daniel's making. You've mm-hmm. got to listen to for the voice of Christ in the Pope. And there's a problem today that we have in the Catholic Church. It's a real problem and with some people where absolutely everything the Pope says, you have to do it. You gotta do everything the Pope says like he's some sort of deity. Now, I'm sorry, that's, uh, I think the, the Tibetans believe that with their Dalai Lama or whatever it might be. Where, where you know, I'm not sure it's the Dalai Lama, but it, I'm, I think it's uh, Buddhism where they, they hold up that the sayings is, this is a God right. speaking and everything is a God. Yeah, they regard that, the Dalai Lama as, as an actual incarnation, reincarnation of, okay. of the Buddha. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're a teacher of religions, so thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> um but here's the point, is that 
No, not everything the Pope says is magisterial. That's the teaching of the Church. Sometimes the Pope has said things, uh, not just this Pope, but other Popes, that it, it just simply, you, you can't agree with it, and you don't have to agree with it, because it's it wasn't a magisterial statement to begin with. Remember Judas was one of the 72 that were sent out to proclaim healing and pray over people and rebuke demons. And what he was saying was done on the authority of Christ. But, you know, as we know later on, Judas kind of fell away. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we And not only was discerning. he one of the 72, he was one of the 12. He was even yeah. close. He was very close. So, yeah. That's, that's right. These... Yeah, these these commissions from our Lord—they don't guarantee that every word is. And of course, I, and I hope, and and I, and most people probably realize that. And well, I shouldn't say that. Many, many people don't really. We got the, we've got Pope explaining is this big thing today, where the, there's a number of of really super popular uh, YouTubers and whatnot. They'll come out every time the, every time there's scandal coming from Vatican. These are great evangelization opportunities. We we as Catholics could point out to our separated brethren in the evangelical churches, no. We do not regard the Pope as an oracle. No, we, he's wrong on this. He, he is opposing. His opinion is, is false. Like, we should be willing to say that if he's not speaking magisterially. Instead, these Pope's planners, they, they go head over heels, defend every single thing. And they're scandalizing the evangelicals who are rightly concerned that, that we're right. worshiping the Pope when that is not Catholicism. So, yes, Pope's have been wrong before. Yeah. And, but this pontificate, wow, we got a whole new level of issues to deal with. And that's what we're trying to do today so yeah. in, in this document here, which maybe, I don't know, that there's been a number of, of scandals in the last um, 10 plus years, but this might be one of the biggest ones we have to address. And it starts from the very introduction of this document, which has its own little, little, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a psyop and it's like a little tricky. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, maybe I'll, I'll let you just, I'll let your, I'll let your take on that prevail, Mark. Well, well, the the document is interesting. This is what caught me, and I, I'm reading this. I, I read the document from the top to the end, and I wanted to read it with an open heart to hear what what the Holy Father is trying to convey to us. Because it's my opinion, and some people are going to accuse me and uh, criticize me for this, and and I don't care. I, I think the Holy Father has good intentions. Uh, right from the very beginning, he said he wanted the Catholic church to be like a field hospital, to reach out to the peripheries of society, for priests and bishops to get out of their offices and to get out with the smell of, and get the smell of the sheep on them. And all of those are beautiful things because they're based on what Jesus did. Jesus walked among them. He ate and, and, and dined with the tax collectors. So I get that. So, but when I went to this document, the first thing I saw was this was written by the prefect for the Dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, Victor Manuel Fernandez, and he said that our work must foster, along with an understanding of the Church's perennial doctrine, the reception of the Holy Father's teaching. And we've heard this from him before, and I'm going to just bring up this document because he, he said some things that just, we all thought this is really odd. In September 11th this year, he said, if you tell me that some bishops have a special gift of the Holy Spirit to judge the doctrine of the Holy Father, we will enter into a vicious circle where anyone can claim to have the true doctrine, and that would be heresy and schism. I mean... I, I'm listening to this and I'm going, he's creating this 
almost like a parallel to sacred tradition where you've got sacred tradition, but then you've got the, the teaching of the Holy Father, the Pope. And he even says that these bishops cannot question it and uh, that they can't claim to have the true doctrine. Well, Daniel, what that's what we... scripture? We yeah. Catholics claim. That is our claim. That's what makes us... Right. Right. Catholic is that we have the true doctrine, not because we're great people, because we're holy people. It's because the Holy Spirit that Jesus sent, and he promised in John 16, I believe it was, he said, I will send you the spirit of truth to lead you into all truth. So yes, we can claim, the bishops and cardinals can claim we have the true doctrine. I mean, right. so that was the first thing that I uh, that caught my eye, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this this... This idea that we can't, um, you know, that, that there's this separate thing called the doctrine of the Holy Father. This you could you could mention you could say that that was a slip of the tongue in September, but then a firestorm erupted uh, among traditionally minded Catholics, rightfully so, because that sounded off. So we maybe we could write that off at first as, as a slip of the tongue, but then it happened again. Not just not as a comment or anything, but as the introduction to this declaration from the CDF or DDF, whichever you want to call it. So he talks about the doctrine of Pope Francis, but then he also says, and this is where he's trying to slip in a little maneuver, I believe. He says this, this text, he says there's a real development. That's a dog whistle. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry to use that phrase, but that's a dog whistle for saying we're overturning 2000 years of sacred tradition. That's what that, that phrase, a real development, that's become a, a code word. In, in the last several years for we're overturning the magisterium. So he says it's a real development about blessings. And then he says that because it's a real development, that's why this document has taken on the quote typology of a declaration, which, which is nonsensical. Doesn't, we don't have typologies about CDF de- documents. That's, that's not a thing. He's making, he's making this up. There's, there's CDF rulings and they don't have all these varying degrees like papal magisterium. So he's trying to say that this is a declaration. Why? It's obvious. He's trying to insinuate, falsely, he's trying to insinuate that this document overrules the 2021 document from the CDF that was absolutely clear, short and sweet and to the point, saying God cannot bless sin. It was clear. It was easy. It was short. It was to the point. Nobody who read it had any confusion. People who read this, 45 paragraph page after page after page document they read it they have no idea what they just read and i'm still confused as to what the heck i just read so that's <laughs> that's why we're being messed with from the from the very introduction of this document i believe okay so so okay so you're speculating that that this yes. may be on on purpose i i um i'll leave it at that i i'm not sure yet i I'll, we'll see but it's it's very strange to me i i personally take exception daniel with with this idea of him setting up this idea that there's the sacred tradition and then the Holy Father's teaching. We, as, as a Catholic, for me at least, I have always understood, what the, and, and actually quoting Pope Francis himself, that he doesn't proclaim his own doctrine, but he said, I am the guarantor of obedience to the faith. Benedict said the same thing. That is the perennial teaching of the Catholic Church. But the prefect seems to have a different idea. You were referring, Daniel, to responsum of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. 
And that was the document released two years ago. And you're right, it's absolutely clear. Let's just go to what it says, and then we'll go back to this new document that is racing around the world proclaiming that now same-sex couples can be blessed. In this document released by the Dacastri, this was two years ago, it, they, they were very clear. It said, it declares illicit any form of blessing that tends to acknowledge the, their unions as such. So that would be the unions of homosexuals. In this case, in fact, the blessing would manifest not the intention to entrust such individual persons to the protection and help of God, in the sense mentioned above, but to approve and encourage a choice in a way of life that cannot be recognized as objectively ordered to the revealed plans of God, which, of course, is for a man and woman to enter into marriage. And so it continues, it says, the priest does not, and, or God, rather, does not and cannot bless sin. He blesses sinful man so that he may recognize that he is a part of his plan of love and allow himself to be changed by him. He, in fact, takes us as we are, but never leaves us as we are. That's very clear what this document is saying, and as, as we go back to the other document, you'll see that's not what's being said now. But I'll pause right there in case you have any thoughts on that, Daniel. Well, I just want to emphasize that phrase, that this is the clarity. <laughs> Beautifully, just a few paragraphs, that's all it takes. The, 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 the truth can be conveyed very briefly and succinctly. It says, it declares illicit any form of blessing. What I, what I took from reading this document that, that came out today, they're trying to say, oh, no, 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 all we have to do, and, and they tried to, you know, the current brief, like, he, tried to, he tried to spin this as, oh, all the 2021 document, which Mark just read you a quote from, all that was saying was we can't uh, confuse blessings of, homosexual unions with marriage. That, that That's all that meant. They're trying to spin it. And I wrote a post on my blog in 2021 saying, don't let them spin this. And because I knew that's what they tried to do. And that's exactly what they're doing here. They're trying to spin it. They're trying yeah. to spin it as just saying, oh, don't, all that meant was we can't bless unions in such a way as to make it look like marriage. No, that's not what the document says. Mark just read to you the phrase where it says that it declares illicit any form of blessing which would recognize homosexual intrinsically disordered as the catechism infallibly teaches in homosexual unions as such it's not saying as long it's not saying only make sure that you're not recognizing these as marriage only make sure you're not confusing this with marriage it's saying it's illicit any form it's completely unambiguous right. and universal and categorical any form of blessing of an intrinsically disordered situation as such, is illicit, and and that's frankly oh, obvious. Right, and so and so, I think that that your 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 speculation that that this new document is 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 trying to shove out of the way this t 2021. I think that's a fair speculation, and and I think you'll see why because this document now goes on to say precisely, and again, this is not the media. Those headlines weren't the media distorting the Vatican for once. <clears throat> But the media was taking actually what the church was saying in this document, which says the possibility of blessing couples in irregular situations and same-sex couples is now possible without officially validating their status or changing in any way the church's perennial teaching on marriage. And I think, Daniel, you already eloquently explained 
Well, that's not even the issue. The issue here is whether we're giving an indication that the union that you're in, the relationship that you're in, that we can somehow bless you as if there's something uh, to, that that is worthy of being blessed. Now, I just got to pause there because, I mean, sure. Uh, here's the example I want to use. Because if you read in this document later on, it says that maybe there's things that, that, that are noble and worthy that can be kind of upheld and blessed. But here's the thing. If I'm in a relationship with a woman, I'm married. Of course, I'm married. But let's say there's a widow in my community and I get into a relationship with her. I know the gospel says we're supposed to take care of widows. So I go over and I take care of her lawn. I help her with certain things around the home. But I also get involved romantically. And I find that I'm much more compatible with this person than my own wife. And I decide that this is the relationship I really like. Well, maybe I now can go to the to a priest and say, well, would you bless this relationship? And now I know I haven't got an annulment and I'm in this new relationship. But look at how I'm serving the widow. There's some things about this relationship I'm doing that are noble, that are good. Look how we get along. Look how patient we are. Look how we're, we're helping others in our community. The point is this, is if you're starting to just find a narrow band within that relationship to bless that, what are you trying to convey to the person? What are you conveying to them? And I think what you're conveying to them is is something that's just not true. That's not, it's not being genuine and honest with the sinner. And uh, I mean, we've reached a yeah. point in the church where we don't even want to talk about sin anymore. <laughs> right. I was, I'm sorry if it came through on my mic. I was laughing while you were saying that because it's so ridiculous. It's just so ridiculous. Oh, here's Mark. He's in a great marriage. He's married, but oh, he found a widow. It's like, it's obviously absurd, but that's the thing. You replace re- replace homosexuality with any other sin, a- any other intrinsically disordered inclination or sinful situation that, that's not politically correct. And, and, and the truth becomes immediately obvious. Of course you can't bless that. Of course. It's, it's obvious. But because this is the wedge issue, this is the camel's nose under the tent, this is the Trojan horse, this is how the great apostasy is insinuating itself into the practice of the church. The magisterium is protected. And even the CDF document, may, maybe I'm missing something, but I can't find like a clear and explicit heresy in it. That's not the problem. It's not, it's not that there's a clear and explicit heresy. And I'm not worthy of declaring the CDF and heresy anyway. I'm just an idiot. I'm just some no one. But the problem is the ambiguity in the doors that it's opening. It's opening the doors for blessing that which we know is illicit. So it's opening the doors for this apostasy to flourish throughout the church through what we all know, through basic, not even Christian common sense, but just natural reason common sense is completely (laughs) illicit. And the funny thing is, if you look at what the document itself says about the dispositions needed, for this blessing. So it's talking about homosexual uh, homosexual couples can come and get blessed. But then it talks about the dispositions that would actually technically be required for that blessing. Like I took a note about paragraph 20. It says, talking about to seek a blessing in the church is to acknowledge that the life of the church springs from the move of God's mercy and helps us to move forward, to live better, to respond to the Lord's will. So if you're in the situation of objective sin and you're suddenly willing, you suddenly are willing to respond to the Lord's will and to seek the grace of the church, you can. You can seek a blessing from a priest. And you know what form that blessing would take? It would be you entering into a certain little room, a tiny little room on the side of the church and kneeling down 
and saying, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 20 years <laughs> since my last confession, and here are my sins. And then he'll say, I absolve you of your sins. You, 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 you say your sins before the, before the priest, you're, you're really speaking to Jesus Christ, no matter what they are, no matter how long, no matter how mm -hmm. grotesque, doesn't, doesn't matter at all. God's mercy can obliterate them in a second. You are one confession away from friendship with God. And that's through a blessing of the priest, yes, in the context of confession, which this document, despite its dozens of paragraphs, doesn't mention a single time. Yeah, it, which is, which is it, it, I mean, it's extraordinary. So, I mean, you're making an excellent point. This document keeps talking about, oh, those who seek a blessing, uh, you know, to acknowledge the church, to move forward, to live better, and to respond to the Lord's will. I mean, the, again, these are the dispositions. But if you're in a same-sex union, which the church teaches is an objectively immoral situation that you're in, if you're if you're wanting to come and get a blessing, that's the you've already if that's your disposition, that means you're in the place to go to confession, and that's the place that's the blessing you really want as someone in a same sex union. Right. So I want to go down to this document to that that paragraph, and I want to quote it properly because um, this is what it says, and this is where I really felt the document. Um, it it seems to me. It just kind of loses it loses track where it says, even though this blessing, they can't come to claim a legitimation of their own status, but they come to beg that all that is true, good, and humanly valid in their lives and their relationships can be enriched, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit through that blessing. And again, I... I, I, words almost fail me, and I I have to say it. This feels so much like a sophistry, where where which is the twisting of wisdom, right? It's 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 as Our Lady said to Pedro Regis, this is in February twenty third, two thousand twenty one. She said, "Half truths will increasingly spread, and many of my poor children will be contaminated." I I really feel that what we're getting right now in this document is a bit of a half-truth because while it says that you shouldn't have some sort of a litmus test, that wasn't the word it used, but you shouldn't have a precondition of being morally perfect when you come to get a blessing. And that's true. I mean, you and I go for blessings to priests and he never asks us, you know, are you in a perfect state? Are you in a... We just ask for a blessing and he gives it. But at the same time, this document is saying that Someone can come and ask for a blessing in these relationships of same-sex union or irregular, which means it could be living with a divorced person or whatever, and ask for a blessing for that which is true, good, and humanly valid, and so that those parts can be enriched, healed, and elevated. But I, I'm listening to this and I'm going, well, how is it? If you come as a couple, now here's the point. This document isn't just talking about you coming to a priest as an individual. It's saying that you can come as a couple. This is what it's talking about. That's the whole point of the document, right? <laughs> it's the whole point of the document. It's because if an individual comes up to a priest and says, Father, will you bless me? He'll bless you. If a couple, same-sex couple, comes up to a priest and says, will you bless us? We're a couple, a same-sex couple. Will you bless us? That's an entirely different situation. And, you know, depending that's a conversation between the priest and them, and maybe he will give a blessing, maybe he won't. If he's a good priest, 
he's going to have that conversation. Well, what's going on in your lives? Where are you guys at? You know, because, you know, if you're asking me for a blessing to bless your relationship, I can't do this. Uh, you know, this is not this is not a, mer- a relationship that the, the Gospels, that the Scriptures teach, that sacred tradition has ever taught is a morally acceptable one. It's it's out of God's order, just the way the sun can't just go orbit around, or the moon can't go orbit around another planet. It's set in its orbit. There's an order to things. And so, um, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, trying to say, get a priest to bless the good things in my same-sex union while ignoring the other parts, is to me creating a situation that's almost impossible for our priests. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, I, I sympathize with those priests who are wondering, what, what do I do now? You know, it's, it might be easier for, for a, a blogger to take a hard stance or, or, or a webcaster like us, but although I won't get into the details of, of how this is very difficult for me and all the, navigating all this. But anyway, you know, if you're a priest in this situation, I would just encourage you to... to let this be an opportunity for evangelization. You know, maybe there will be uh, couples in, in immoral unions coming to you for asking for blessings. Just take that as a door opening for evangelization. Ask questions. Focus on on asking questions and seeing what they respond. Say, what what is it that you would like me to bless? And what what is it that you are seeking? Are you, are you seeking God's will for your life? Can we talk about that? You know, oh, oh, that take it. Everything, and this is what we want to move into in the second half of our webcast here, everything that God is allowing here, even in God's permissive will, even when he allows this storm to reach a a critical mass uh, where it seems like there's no hope from a human perspective, that's when there's the most hope from a divine Mm -hmm. perspective. That's when the prophecies come in and say, these are the most exciting times in history to be alive. So don't complain. Don't, don't, Don't feel bad for yourself. When you see these, this apostasy unleashing, this is when you should be, as Jesus said, this is when you should be raising your heads for your vindication is at hand. And that's what uh, heaven is saying to us today. Not, not to feel bad for ourselves, not to lament, not to say, oh, it's, it's over. You know, oh, they, you know, we just, uh, I don't know what. But no, this is our time to shine. To sh- no one lights a, lights a light to set it under a bushel basket, but rather it is set upon a lampstand. And that is the time today. And, you know, I've got a couple, Mark shared with you a couple quotes from Our Lady to Pedro Regis earlier. And I've got a couple quotes from Our Lady to Pedro Regis from just this past week. And I don't know if, 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 we're, if we're ready to bring them up just yet, Mark, if you have something else you wanted to say first, but I could, I could put them on my screen. Well, Todd, you get them ready, and I think what we'll do is let's yeah. let's close out our commentary on this document, and then move on to mm-hmm. um, yes. the most important part. Um, I, I think what I just want to point out, in in fairness to this document, it also says, in any case, precisely to avoid any form of confusion or scandal, when the prayer of blessing is requested by a couple in an irregular situation. Even though when it's expressed outside the rites prescribed by the liturgical books, this blessing should never be imparted in concurrence with the ceremonies of a civil union, and not in connection with them, nor can it be performed with any clothing, gestures, or words that are proper to a wedding. The same applies when the blessing is requested by a same-sex couple. And it goes on to say there is no intention to legitimize anything, but rather to open one's life to God, to ask for his help to live better, and also to invoke the Holy Spirit, so that the values of the gospel may be lived with greater faithfulness. So, the church is very clearly, or yeah, it's very clearly saying in this document, we're not, 
we're not giving you a blessing uh, uh, to your union. The problem is, is that it, this seems to be a contradiction to response to responsum, which says that any form of blessing that seems to legitimize a same-sex union, um, it, it's just not permissible ever. And I think this document, Daniel, now is starting to say that. It's trying to say, well, let's find a narrow part of your life. And again, I just want to say, if a couple comes up to somebody and says to the priest, you know, we're in a same-sex union, but, you know, we're really striving to follow God's will, and we're, we want to follow the church's teaching, and we're, we're really struggling right now. Father, could you say a blessing over to help us to know what God's will is for our lives? I, I, why wouldn't a priest bless in that instant? That's right. a beautiful, beautiful prayer. That's beautiful, yeah. right. Yeah, because I go to the priest, and I, I do it all the time. I'm struggling in my life. Would you say a blessing over me to, that God will help me in this area of my life? And so let's let's go. Let's move on now from the document. That's there's more to be said, and I, other commentators have already covered it. But we wanted to give you, who follow this webcast, a bit of a synopsis of why the headlines are out there, why there's the confusion, and what the problem is with this document. And in my humble opinion, as a layman who has studied the Catholic faith for decades, I, I'm struggling with this, and I think it is a scandal. I think the headlines themselves prove that it's become a scandal. Uh, it, it's just more ambiguity, and I, I don't understand. Well, I do understand why this is going on, because the Lord is sifting His church. <laughs> right. His, the only way we're going to get to the passion is stuff like this. This is the only way we're right. going to get through the passion. Right. And you know, every time Mark and I talk about this, we know we're going to get a wave of people attacking us. Oh, how dare you criticize anything the Vatican or the Pope? Who are you two laymen? You don't have, you don't have doctorates in sacred theology. I, we hear it every time. We're we're not we're just we're just two knucklehead. I'm a knucklehead. Mark's Mark's also. We're just a couple guys trying to navigate this, and with our foundation as the perennial teaching of the church and the gospel, neither of which can ever change. And we're not accusing we're not accusing Pope Francis of formal heresy. We're not saying he's not the Pope. We're not we're not even accusing this document of formal heresy. We're just saying look at the obvious problems. Look at them and compare what's going on to the catechism to the gospel. Stay with those. That'll keep you safe. We're trying to just help you stay in the straight and narrow, realizing that today it's very easy to fall off that straight and narrow on the left or the right. So stay on that yeah. razor thin, straight and narrow. But and I will throw excited. this out there. <laughs> I will throw this out there that this document like so many other ambiguous things out of the Vatican, are an opportunity for the false church and for the world to grab hold of it and to promulgate something that is completely contrary to the Gospels. And let's not be naive. That's going to happen. You already quoted Father James Martin and his tweet that came out. He's going to bless couples. And, uh, I mean, the cost of this is measured in souls. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, souls are going to face their judge. We're going to face their ju our judge as, as the teachers of the faith. Uh, I'm speaking about our bishops and priests, and of course, those of us who are lay people who evangelize and share the faith, we are also accountable to what we're sharing. And yeah, maybe we don't have the, the degrees, the PhDs in theology, but you know, I've read my catechism, and I didn't come onto the show without reading this document and knowing what the church teaches. Uh, there's some things you don't need to be, uh, you know, versed in St. Thomas Aquinas in order to talk about. I know my limitations, and I think that, Daniel, you do too, and I think what we're sharing here is fair. Anyway, mm -hmm. let's go on to those quotes that are on your yes. heart to, from our yes. lady of St. To yeah, let me cue them up here on my screen here. Um, oh, I thought you had them ready. So, this is great. Oh, You're wasting yeah, time. Got it. 
<laughs> we can't see, we can't see him when I'm on a half screen, but if you put oh there we go. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is really something because we started off this webcast talking about our ladies messages to Pedro Regis about this great shipwreck, and it's seeming like there's this there's this stunning parallel to what was going on in the year twenty twenty when it came out that Pope Francis endorsed same sex civil unions, kind of the civil, secular version of this this error, this this evil of blessing an intrinsically disordered situation. And now, three years later, it seems like it's coming full circle with that shipwreck um, becoming uh, manifest, at least. And just in the last couple of weeks, our lady to Pedro Regis, you know, I put up I put up here as the image for this post, this, this pagan idol because of these warnings about deception of the devil's deceptions entering the church. And we don't have time to go through all these messages here. Please, please take a look at them and count down to the kingdom. But what our lady said to Pedro Regis, I want to scroll down here. She's rewarding. Do not be deceived. Great persecution will come against those devoted to me. Whatever happens, do not depart from the truth. Moving on to December 10th, she says, when all seems lost, the victory of God will come for the righteous. So this constant message of hope, this apostasy, this persecution, these chastisements will be followed by the era of peace. We just have to hold on. But talking in more detail about what's coming more immediately, Our Lady tells Pedro, at this moment, I am making an extraordinary shower of grace descend upon you from heaven onward. And that's what we want to talk about in a moment here. Our Lady uh, to Elizabeth Kindleman, our Lord to the servant of God, Luis Picaretta, giving us these most inspiring words about what we're in right now. But right here, back to Pedro Regis, a great storm will come over the great vessel. So again, we have this symbolic reference to the church as a ship, a vessel. And of course, the bark of Peter. Think about the dream of St. John Bosco with the, the, the church being this vessel guided between the pillars of Our Lady and the Eucharist. So a great storm will come over the great vessel, but do not be discouraged. I will always be with you. The devil will act against God's people, but whatever happens, no matter what happens, remain faithful to Jesus. And where do we know that Jesus has spoken? In the gospel and in the infallible magisterium. So there you have Our Lady telling us, you know, not to get down, not to be victims. And this has been a word on my heart, it's been a now word on my heart now for a few weeks, is we've got to stop being victims in the church. And by this I mean people are, they see what's going on and they spend an inordinate amount of time going on social media complaining about Pope Francis, you know, usually they call him Bergoglio, and it's Bergoglio this, Bergoglio that, the Pope is doing this, the Pope is doing that, and it's like we're victims. And and more than that, you know, even though I run a blog that that um, on MeWe, uh, we have a what's called the Signs of the Times, the now word Signs of the Times, and you go there and you see the headlines, we do that because we're called to watch and pray. But if we get stuck in the headlines and we start complaining and the world's falling apart and look what they're doing and, oh man, I tell you, it's coming. Well, it is coming, but you're acting like a victim. Stop being a victim. You are a child of the Most High. You are baptized by the Lord God, which means you've been clothed in Him. You've been given His Holy Spirit. And St. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though we live in the world... We are not carrying on a worldly war, for the weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. 
You know, we're called to confront the storm, and that's the that's the title of our show. It's we are called to confront this storm. And and not just be these these spectators or even worse, people who build a bunker and crawl into that bunker and hide. But is it as our lady said or sorry, Jesus said to Elizabeth Kindleman, he said, All are invited to join my special fighting force. The coming of my kingdom must be your only purpose in life. My words will reach a multitude of souls. Trust. I will help all of you in a miraculous way. Do not love comfort. Do not be cowards. Do not wait. Confront the storm to save souls. Give yourself to the work. If you do nothing, you abandon the earth to Satan and to sin. Open your eyes and see all the dangers that claim victims and threaten your own souls. And and that's what we're doing in this webcast. We're opening our eyes. We're seeing the dangers that come from statements like this from the Vatican that are claiming victims and are threatening people's souls. Who did Our Lady say? Those who aren't praying and who aren't living their faith. So how can you confront this storm? What can you do right now to confront this? Well, if there's ambiguity coming from the Vatican, then you be the voice of clarity. As Daniel said in the show earlier, get your catechism out. As John Paul said, this is magisterial. You can depend on this. This is the teaching of the church. And know that faith and proclaim that faith with all surety and boldness and love and gentleness and charity. Confront the storm. So Pope Francis is ambiguous, then you be clear. If Pope Francis is saying things in interviews, as he did, that hell may not exist, or Jesus is not God, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that he said those, but that's what came out in the media, and the Vatican press office did a lousy job of clearing that up, then you come out and be the voice of clarity to say, oh no, well, hell does exist, and here's why. And Jesus is the Son of God, and that's why. And that way you're speaking light into the situation, rather than just attacking the Pope and saying, well, the Pope is a heretic, the Pope is this and that. Who are you bringing light to when you do that? In fact, you know what you're doing? You're potentially endangering somebody who would enter the Catholic Church from coming into the church because they're like, holy cow, these Catholics, look at them fighting. They don't know, and the Pope doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a heretic. I can't join the church now. So that's just one example, Daniel. I'm sure you have more of how we can confront this storm instead of being victims and whiners and complainers and, uh, you know, official opposition to the Pope. Be yeah, protagonists and yeah. Go ahead. I said, no, it's, it, I'm sorry. You're pumping me up, and <laughs> with your words, you're getting me inspired. And I want to just get out there right now and start evangelizing. You're, abs- <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's problem is it's midnight here in New York, and I don't know who I'd meet in the streets in Albany in, at midnight. But um, I, you know, I shouldn't be afraid of even that. But and I, I'm going to share. I love that quote, I, and I have it as a real in a really prominent position. That quote from. Our Lord to Elizabeth Kindleman in, in some of my books. Confront mm-hmm. the storm to save souls. Let the coming of my kingdom be the only purpose in your life. And all this chaos in the world. And we didn't even get into the chaos in the world. We're going to have to save that for the next webcast, hopefully very soon, Mark, with, with how this storm is bursting forth in the world as well. And then everything we warned about when we started these webcasts a few years ago, it's now coming to fruition. <laughs> but anyway, when this with this storm bursting forth, that should inspire us to go forward. I mean... With with um with, with this statement and that statement and whatever else from the Vatican, does that encourage you to put more locks on your door and, and, and eliminate more people from your circle of influence and, and get rid of more people from your life? No, it should be the opposite. 
you should just want to get out there. You receive communion at Mass. You ask for the gift of living in the divine will. You pray to become a living host, and you get out there on the streets. And I mean that literally, if you can. And I know not everybody can do this, but this is part of my apostle, the divine missionary of mercy. Just walk out of church after Mass. Walk. Just walk through the streets Mm -hmm. praying, waiting for God to give you opportunities to evangelize, and he will give them to you. You know, I, I, I teach philosophy and religion at a, at a secular public New York college. Of all places, I, I should be, that, that should be the one I should be most terrified to confront. And yet it's been one of the greatest occasions of grace, the opportunities that I've had there. So wherever God has put you, no matter how severe the storm gets, God is not calling you to retreat. God is calling you to, to, to charge forward. And that's why I want to share this quote, which is so similar to what you just read, Mark, from Jesus to Elizabeth Kindleman. I'm going to switch my screen here and share. This is from Jesus to the servant of God, Luisa Picaretta. And this always inspires me so much. He said to Luisa, courage, my daughter. Courage is of souls resolute to do good. They're imperturbable under any storm. And while they hear the roaring of the thunders and the lightnings to the point of trembling, and they remain under the pouring rain that pours over them, they use the water to be washed and to come out more beautiful Hmm. and heedless of the storm. They are more than ever resolute and courageous. So what that tells me is when you, when you, and let me switch my screen back to, um, there we go. So when you hear this storm brewing, whether it's in the church or in the world, from the Vatican, from your own bishop, from your parish priest, from whatever, the the, the worse the storm gets, the more that should inspire you that the coming of the kingdom is growing closer. And, and you, and, and this is funny because this happened to me today. It, it was torrentially raining today and it's December in New York. We never get warm days here in, in December, New York, but it was almost 60 degrees. So I figured, you know, I'm going to go for a run. So I had, I had waterproof socks for some reason I bought years ago. And, I, and now I found my waterproof socks because I'm going to go on a run. So it was torrential rain December. I went for a run. It was glorious. It was great. So what Jesus is telling us here is when you hear that storm, that hurricane, raging that's not the time to dig yourself a hole and hide in it until it gets better that's your time to charge out to proclaim the gospel to proclaim the divine will proclaim the divine mercy with more zeal than ever before and ironically precisely today as it seems more impossible than ever before today is when you will see more fruit born than ever before because where sin abounds grace abounds all the more you know another way in which we 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 have to stop playing the victim is you know us and them, and I see this a lot among my fellow Catholics, where you know we can't we can't engage with people in the world because they don't quite believe like we believe, and we we've got to stop this. Um, we, you know, the Pope is right. We need to go out into the world. It's it, people are hurting, they're wounded, they need the faith. Jesus Amen. didn't avoid the tax collectors and avoid the prostitutes because they were in sin. I mean, a lot of them came to the meals with Jesus probably from having sinned. But the sinner himself, the Lord sought out to be with them, to love them. And that's the part of the magisterium that Pope Francis has absolutely right. And we need to praise mm-hmm. that. He was he, he yeah. came out of the starting gates of this pontificate, firing on all cylinders. He was right about evangelizing and, and the kerygma and bringing the gospel to everyone. This stuff that we've read today and earlier in the show, I, I don't know what's, what's going on here. It's the fog of Satan. It's the smoke of Satan, as Paul VI said. It's entered the church. And I think it's more of the same. And it's just part of the great apostasy. And so we just have to say it's here. 
we're heading into 2024 now, and we're going to be heading into some great trials, I believe. I mean, I I don't know how long this is all going to unfold. It could be another decade. I have no idea, Daniel. Mm. But we're heading into it, and we need to stop being victims. We need to stop being complainers and whiners and attacking the unity of the church, attacking the Pope, and just shine like light, light that is love, light that is truth, light that is uncompromising. And listen, yes, it may cost you your life. It may cost you your job. It may cost you your family relationships. Jesus said, father will be against son, mother against daughter. But whoever dies, whoever loses himself for my sake will gain himself. And so these are the days of great division and you have to gird yourself in the armor of God. You have to do what our mama said. She said, if you're not praying and living your faith, you are the one who's in danger of being shipwrecked ultimately by what's going on. And I know Catholics who are being, who are totally going with the world right now professed Catholics who are going completely with it because they're not praying, they're not taking their faith seriously, and they are in serious danger. So instead of being a victim and, and saying, well, I'm, I'm doing well and they're not, uh, like a Pharisee, we need to take out what St. Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are powerful for pulling down strongholds. And we need to start praying and fasting like we mean business. And I tell you what, you know, if I told you, Daniel, we've been fighting these wind turbines up behind you. You know, Jesus told me, start pulling down the strongholds. Pull them down with your prayers. And I tell you, this community up here, many of us are doing just that. I refuse to play the victim. Oh, we can't do anything. They're running over us. Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau's just, he's, you know, running roughshod over our freedoms. Well, we're fighting back with the rosary. We're fighting back with fasting. We're not going to be victims and we're going to win. We're going to win in the name of Jesus Christ. And we may not win the way we think we should win, which is why we need to be abandoned to God and pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because sometimes you have to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. So we surrender, but we, we always go in faith that when the world takes a turn, when the church and the Pope take a turn that we didn't expect, that rather than play the victim, we rise up, we join Christ's mighty force, and we confront this storm with love, with truth, with faith, with hope. And that's the only way we're going to convert the world. Otherwise, we're just a bunch of bloggers complaining, and we might as well shut it down. That's right. how I feel. Yeah, We've got a minute well, left, the, Daniel. What do you yeah. got to say? <laughs> at the end of your lives, you'll be judged on love. And, and let me just say, if you had any idea how in charge God is of mm -hmm. everything that's happening, your temptation would be to just sit back and smile. That, that, I'm convinced. So God hides, sometimes God hides a little bit just how in charge he is because he needs us to fight and he needs us to be zealous. So please do that. But do not ever be tempted to despondency or to, or to feeling bad for yourself or to just complaining. Like the opposite would be your temptation if you had any idea how, how omnipotent he is. So, as, as yeah. Jesus said to St. Faustina, fight as a king's child would, knowing, and I'll paraphrase now, knowing that the victory is yours. That Amen. is how you must fight, boldly, knowing that you are a son of the, of the king of the universe. And postscript, God is in control of this situation we've talked about today. He's in control of this one, too.
All right. Merry Christmas to you all from Daniel and I. God bless you. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next year. And Merry Christmas to you, my brother. Amen. Merry Christmas to you. God bless you all. All right. Bye-bye.